Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. Today we're joined by Dr. Paul Anderson, who's one of the LDN Research Trust's medical advisors. And I was just saying before we went live that the cancer documentary called um, The Game Changer, LDN and Cancer, we've actually now had over half a million views. And it's still currently having in between four and 600 a week. So if you haven't seen it, join the crowds and uh, watch it. Okay. Today, we're going to be discussing low-dose naltrexone in dosing, what you should do, what you need to know to find the dose that is right for you. So I'll let you continue and give us some education, Paul. Thank you. Well, thank you very much for having me. So I think one of the things that's probably evolved a lot over time since we've all been using low-dose naltrexone, and I think that we all maybe understand better than we did certainly a number of years ago is the idea of uh, how variable the dosing in the low dose spectrum for naltrexone can be. And a lot of times when I'm working with other clinicians or maybe teaching classes about this or integrating it into uh, therapies, people will have an idea that because there's um, sort of a very common dose of 4.5 milligrams and uh, maybe five milligrams in some of the research projects that that is the ultimate target dose for every person. And so one of the things I think that's important to keep in mind, because it really will frame the rest of what we're going to talk about with dosing, is that the idea of 4.5 milligrams literally came from a discussion very early on uh, with some of the early researchers saying, well, what is low dose? We, we know what regular dose or high dose naltrexone is, you know, what, what ranges do the benefits of low dose naltrexone work? And the discussion revolved around the idea that that range seemed to be somewhere between zero to one milligrams, so very low, and 10 milligrams. And so they sort of landed on this dose right in the middle, 4.5, or as I say, some of the old research had five. And so people, uh, had, you know, sort of latched onto that as the ultimate goal dose. Well, I think now that we understand a lot more about the pharmacology and uh, the, the biology of LDN in humans, and we've seen a lot more patients and we've seen a lot more people using it over time, we understand that uh, it's really the the spectrum of that uh, that low dose range that does uh, the work that we need to do pharmacologically, and it's not one particular dose. Now, I will say, when I'm teaching physicians about it or uh, counseling patients, etc., for the average patient, we're still looking at 4.5 milligrams as a target dose. But what you see clinically is there's a lot of times where uh, using other parts of that range becomes important. Now, another thing that I feel like we've really learned a lot about over time, and more and more people, now that there's a lot more of us talking about low-dose naltrexone, 
more and more of us are bringing this up, which only makes logical sense biologically, is that low-dose naltrexone has a very elegant way that it works immunologically in your patients, whether it's uh, autoimmune or inflammatory or cancer, et cetera. But the patient's body, because the patient's body dictates how the immune system is operating within them, just like with some of the other therapies we use, is going to be uh, different in receiving the low-dose naltrexone based on how the rest of their immune function and their overall vitality is operating. So another thing that this leads us to that I believe we've you know, certainly seen more people talking about on interviews and writing about, et cetera, is the seemingly obvious, but maybe not so obvious idea that the better we have uh, worked on the rest of the immune balance and the immune function with a patient, and the more that progresses over time, the better that the naltrexone is received by the body and often the better that the outcomes can be. So some examples in this uh, area would be, because people say, well, what does it mean to work on you know, the immune system? Well, for example, there are people who we have seen, and I, I've worked with clinicians you know, who have reported these cases, where a person was really either reacting a little more aggressively to the low-dose naltrexone strategy or not tolerating it as well, et cetera. And when we break those cases down, a lot of times there are either untreated or, um, you know, not treated enough in the spectrum of what that patient needs underlying issues uh, going on. And so some of these, you can, uh, you can kind of collate into a couple of groups. One that is very, very um, common and also would be somewhat obvious pharmacologically because of the way these LDN and it works, it would be vitamin D levels. So if your vitamin D levels are low or your vitamin D metabolism is out of balance, which often happens in an inflamed patient, for example, until that is a little bit more stable, a lot of times something like low-dose naltrexone will not work quite as well. And then as their vitamin D levels and balance improve, uh, the, the tolerance to the low-dose naltrexone and also the outcomes improve along the way as well. We also see this with other things that would disorder the immune system. And if if we think about, you know, the multiple pharmacologic ways that naltrexone works at low dose, many of them are via manipulation of immune receptors uh, on immunologic cells and target cells, et cetera. So it, it only makes sense that if that system is less and less balanced, we are going to be putting an input in pharmacologically low-dose naltrexone that may then do its work, but it's doing it in more of a chaotic system. So the things beyond vitamin D that we see that are very important would be other inflammatory triggers or immune balance triggers. So people with chronic infections. Now, normally, uh, people with chronic infections, you could think of, say, the Lyme complex of illnesses or chronic Epstein-Barr and many other things that we treat with people who have chronic illness, they do very, very well with LDN as an addition. But 
sometimes you have a case where the person may have a chronic illness that's uh, more um, of a, a syndrome name. So the chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, maybe they haven't figured out or their physicians haven't uh, detected that they have these other infectious things going on in the background. And then you put something like LDN into the system and it seems to aggravate them. If you can start to work on the infectious side, for example, it makes the LDN much better received, just like if you balance out and you know help the vitamin D levels. Other areas with our chronically ill patients where we see this uh, potential for aggravation, which is just really a uh, a marker sort of in the case that we have other things to work on uh, are other uh, inflammatory triggers. So people who have uh, exposure to toxicants, especially people exposed to mold mycotoxins, um, but other things such as potentially chronic allergic phenomenon that are not uh, being dealt with appropriately, um, mycotoxins, as we mentioned, but other chemical toxins and even metals, those also can create this immunologic aggravation. So a good follow-up then that uh, patients and and more often nowadays the, the healthcare providers will ask is, okay, well, that makes sense. We're putting a, you know, immunologic uh, medication in the patient, lotus naltrexone, and it makes sense. We want to calm the immune system down and fix these things. Do I have to not do naltrexone while I'm working on all these other things? And my experience would say, no, you can do these things together. You can do them at the same time. It's just that for the healthcare provider, or if you're the patient experiencing this, the thing that you want to focus on is if, if naltrexone at low dose really aggravates your uh, symptoms, your case, et cetera, you need to step back and think, or if you're the healthcare provider, you need to take a look at the case and think, is there really maybe some other facet of this case that uh, we haven't looked into or that might be out of balance? And so those areas, we mentioned very commonly vitamin D, uh, and we see a lot of case reports now uh, of clinicians just saying, you know, once, once we got the vitamin D, both levels and the balance uh, fixed and worked, uh, worked out that the the LDN was you know much better received the whole case moved forward better. We also see the same thing with areas such as chronic infections that may not be being addressed, uh, toxicants, toxicity issues that may be going on, other areas that can affect your uh, immune system balance that can be a little sneaky, especially in chronically ill patients are some of the more borderline endocrine things, the hormonal things that we'll see. So cases that I've personally either seen or worked with other clinicians to troubleshoot in the hormonal area when you know naltrexone seems to be aggravating the system would be uh, people with thyroid resistance. So they're, um, they may have a good looking you know, TSH and free T3 and free T4 but because of inflammation and other factors, their uh, reverse T3 is elevated. And so that's one that we like to look at. Another are people with either very uh, low uh, cortisol or, or very aggravated high cortisol output, both of which we see in the chronically ill population. Uh, because if it's at the low end of the spectrum, it's not quite to Addison's disease, but it's low, uh, lower than it should be normally. 
you don't have enough backup to your immune system for modulation. And so then you put something like LDN in that can be perceived by the body uh, as uh, as a shift. And again, it's not the LDN's fault, actually. It's just that the, the rest of the case needs some attention. Uh, people with higher cortisol, you see this in younger people with uh, chronic infections and other things. Again, not at the level of Cushing's, but high, high normal cortisol. They will often have blunted uh, responses. So you add the LDN and it seems like nothing's happening. So again, just looking for these things. The final part in the hormonal uh, area, although there's many parts, uh, are the uh, inflammatory balance type of hormonal markers. So the the two big areas that we see there are the reproductive hormones and then the blood sugar control hormones. And so what we mean by that is that um, in blood sugar regulation, blood sugar regulation overall will dictate to your uh, hormonal system and then your immune system how inflammatory your body is going to be. So the worse the blood sugar regulation is, the more trouble you have there. So that's one area to look. Then reproductive hormones are more about balance. And a common thing that we see with patients, uh, and it's been aggravated um, or maybe just more noticed now uh, with people uh, you know, having post-COVID syndrome and those sorts of things are the uh, imbalances you'll get where testosterone may start to slip downward in men or women. And then estrogen will start to rise in men or women, and often progesterone will start to lag. And that becomes a more, uh, it's an inflammatory response, and it's more uh, pro-inflammatory all around the body. And again, if that's going on, then it makes it more difficult for the naltrexone to really do the appropriate thing inside the body. So the point of all this is sometimes you don't know, um, because you could have 10 patients all with uh, whatever the primary uh, target of treatment is. It could be autoimmunity or uh, pain, et cetera. And they could all take maybe 10 different strategies because they might have the same label for their disorder or their disease, but their bodies are 10 different bodies. So if we work with a patient and we ramp them up, say to our typical 4.5 milligram target dose, and uh, they they receive it well, and it seems to st stabilize their case, works well. That's really um, optimal. It's where we're doing that. And then as we ramp the dose up, or even with the first low dose, uh, the patient responds in some odd way that we have to step back and say, maybe there's other parts of the case we want to work on here. And uh, like I say, probably the one that's been talked about the most is vitamin D, which is certainly very critical for immune function, uh, but all of these other underlying areas, the big ones being toxicants, infectious inflammation, and then of, of course the hormonal issues. So I think that the important part about that, as we you said at the very beginning, um, the 4.5 milligrams was chosen because it was in the middle of what we considered low dose. And that that is pharmacologically where uh, naltrexone works at its low dose. But if we're targeting towards 4.5 or 5 milligrams in a day, and we have an aggravation of the case and we put the naltrexone in, then it's usually not the naltrexone. It's usually there's other things that just are not, uh, you could say, settled down immunologically, which is very important. And so 
I think clinically speaking, that's a good way to look at that. Now, there is um, another factor to this, and that is that people um, receive low-dose naltrexone, naltrexone dosing differently. And what I mean by that is I know clinicians who, who don't um, ramp up the dose at all. They, they just give people 4.5 milligrams uh, right from the start. And for a lot of patients, you know, they can do that and it's fine. I know other clinicians, very common dosing strategy uh, is to get for the first uh, ramp up doses to do 1.5 milligram. So you start with 1.5 and then you do two of those after a week or two to be three. And then you do three of them to be 4.5. And uh, that ramp up strategy sometimes is, you know, received a little bit better by some of the patients. But another thing that we see with our more sensitive patients, and these are often people with a lot of other things going on with their health, is in some very sensitive people, uh, I have had to use much lower uh, and slower ramps. So maybe starting at a half milligram per dose escalation. And this leads to the next thing clinically that I think has been a good um uh, maybe aha moment in our community, but also uh, just a good evolution forward in the way that we look at dosing of uh, naltrexone at low dose. And that is that we understand that low dose is in this range, you know, of 0.5 to 10 milligrams and 4.5 somewhere in the middle there. But we also now understand that you don't have to reach a particular dose of naltrexone to have a good benefit with it in an adult, certainly. So a lot of clinicians will get frustrated because of a patient and maybe they're uh, doing the 1.5 milligram and then three and then 4.5 and they do fine at 1.5 and they do okay at three, but when they go to 4.5, it's just aggravating the system. Or conversely, maybe they have a very sensitive patient and they're going at a half milligram and then one milligram and they get to 1.5 and that's okay, but at two, they aggravate. The important thing I see clinically and that I, when I get feedback from clinicians who are also doing a lot of low-dose naltrexone is it's okay to stop and uh, not continue escalating at whatever dose is tolerated because the overall um, thing that we want to target with low-dose naltrexone is some low-dose naltrexone at a dose that's tolerated by the patient is better for the case as the case moves forward than trying to force them to a dose where they're aggravating. And what you often see with those cases, especially if you go back and you know look at is vitamin D appropriate and are there any infections we don't know about and the hormone things and all of that, but if you go back and do that, oftentimes the more that the case is handled in the chronic areas that we talked about, then often you'll see that they can break through and go to a little bit higher dose. So let's say you topped out at one milligram before they aggravated. It's perfectly fine to leave them there, but then maybe a few months later, as things are improving, try to escalate again. And so, yes, 4.5 milligrams is a good target, but that's all it is. It's a general target. You can get benefit starting at doses less than one milligram. You can get benefit at a half milligram or one. Now, 
that leads usually to the next question that clinicians will uh, put back to me, which is, okay, so let's say we're, we're not going to get to 4.5 till the case is a little more uh, strong and, you know, settled down and addressed. Great. How do I know where uh, the best place to stop the dose escalation is? And uh, this is the way I will talk to patients about it so that they tie into it mentally as well. And that is, number one, we have a goal dose, but the goal dose is not uh, the end-all, be-all. It's just where we're headed. Number two, if your body and your the way your case is right now doesn't respond, you know, going higher up into the goal dose, we still are going to get benefit out of a lower dose, and we may plateau there for a bit. And number three, your body will tell us when we're at the place where you tolerate versus you don't tolerate. So a real common example would be, let's say it's a very sensitive person and we're doing half milligram steps. We may do a half milligram, fine. One milligram's fine. 1.5 milligrams, they maybe feel a, a little bit of agitation in the case, but it settles down. They get to two milligrams and they get uh, some grouping of side effects. Maybe they feel more inflamed. Maybe they feel uh, that their sleep is disrupted. Maybe, you know, any number of things. If one or 1.5 was tolerable, then we just say, okay, well, your body's not accepting it at two. We'll go to 1.5, see how you do there or one. And you just plateau there, keep working on the rest of their health issues. And then maybe a month, maybe two months later, you can go back and try another half milligram and go up. And it's it's literally that versatile of a medication, low-dose naltrexone. So I think that that's a really important clinical tip because, you know, certainly earlier on and still today, you know, you'll hear people say, well, I tried, you know, low-dose naltrexone. It was just too aggravating to the system. And so I stopped. And in most cases, you know, certainly you don't want to keep aggravating someone. So stopping is one strategy, but sometimes taking it away and going back and maybe doing a slower ramp and then leveling out at a lower dose uh, until the case settles down is still beneficial. So in very few people, do we really need to go completely to zero low-dose naltrexone if it's indicated in their case? Now, another uh, clinical dosing strategy or question that uh, is very, very common is the patient or the clinician, uh, you know, who's maybe talked to their pharmacist or read a book or whatever. And um, they say, well, it, for naltrexone to work, it has to be given at this time of day. And while there's certainly, and we understand this better than we used to as well, while there's certainly probably optimal times, such as later in the day or evening doses, Again, the, if the goal is that some naltrexone is better than no naltrexone at low dose, and you try the patient taking it at night, and then they have a side effect such as uh, vivid nightmares or bad dreams, et cetera, uh, or disordered sleep, and they, they try it for a week or maybe longer, and those aren't going away, then what I normally will tell the patient is, look, it's still going to be beneficial and work if you take it in the morning. And then if you take it in the morning and most people that takes away those nighttime uh, side effects, meaning it's not going to um, 
you know, disorder your sleep when you take it in the morning. It's not going to give you nightmares when you take it in the morning, et cetera, uh, for the vast majority of people. So again, it's, you know, some naltrexone getting into your body and being part of the case management is better than zero. Uh, in days gone by, it was very common for people to say, well, if I don't give it at nighttime, it'll do nothing. Well, we understand a lot better now that, you know, maybe optimal is later in the day, but daytime dosing is perfectly appropriate too. So I think, you know, there's a lot of things we've learned in that respect. And if we keep in mind that the low-dose naltrexone spectrum is still beneficial immunologically for what it does, then some naltrexone coming into the patient in their case is better than just going totally off of the naltrexone. And also these little aggravations that people get, or maybe big aggravations going to the target dose, are the body and the immune system telling us that there's other things we need to look at clinically inside of that patient and the case. Now, all of what we just talked about with dosing timing and all that will apply to our next part of the dose topic. Uh, but this is a little bit different. And this is something that I've had a fair amount of experience with. And that is dosing uh, naltrexone in children. So in children, we, we have tended to have two groups of pediatric patients. One are certainly pediatric cancer patients, the pediatric oncology patients, uh, which have been a, a major portion of my practice over time. But then also the uh, non-cancer inflammatory pediatric patients, and they divide into really two groups in, in my practice, not not globally. People see many different types of pediatric cases. But in my practice, um, the non-oncology, non-cancer uh, children have been either uh, rheumatologic, so um, you know a pediatric onset rheumatoid arthritis or some other autoimmune disease, or a neuroinflammatory case, such as a PANS PANDAS case uh, or uh, autism spectrum, et cetera. So those are the uh, pediatric cases I have the most experience with, uh, neuroinflammatory, autoimmune, and then of course, oncology. So the first thing is that people will say, well, if it's you know a small child, you obviously have to have a different dosing strategy, which is very true. And one really nice thing is that because um, you know currently naltrexone in almost everywhere has to be compounded, uh, the dose can be very very specialized uh, to you know any size uh, that you need. But what I normally recommend is there are adjustments for doses for pediatrics. And obviously, if you do pediatrics, you're you're normally dosing things by body weight. And that way, uh, you're not adjusting um, and trying to give a small child the same as you would give a 70-kilogram adult or a 100-kilogram adult. You, you're not going to dose them the same way. You wouldn't do that with antibiotics. You certainly wouldn't do it with low-dose naltrexone. So normally what we'll have people do is use, uh, there's a number of pediatric adjustments and and now nowadays with the internet, you can just do these online pretty easily. But uh, pediatric adjustments like Clark's rule or Young's rule are often used and recommended by the pharmacists that we work with. 
And so you can take that and it basically takes the adult dose and the average adult size and then makes the child size uh, a fraction of that. And then that's how you calculate. So what we usually do with pediatric dosing is to say, well, this um, child weighs, you know, 10 kilograms and, uh, you know, or 20 kilograms and the average adult dose is set for a 70 kilogram human. So we have to have a, a factor that, of the child's weight over the adult average dose weight. And so we normally calculate the 70 kilogram adult at 4.5 milligrams, as we talked about. And so then we just use either Clark's rule, Young's rule, or one of the factoring uh, calculations you can do, and you get an appropriate dose for the 10 or 20 or 30 kilogram child. This has worked very well in every child that we've done this with. The other thing that I have tended to see now, there's always exceptions, but what I've tended to see over time is that in naltrexone use in children, they're often more accepting, their bodies are more accepting of low-dose naltrexone, even if they have, uh, you know, a pediatric rheumatoid arthritis or another, you know, unfortunate autoimmune condition uh, or uh, other things such as in the autism spectrum or PANS, PANDAS, um, or, or cancer, their bodies usually just accept the dose better. So let's say 4.5 milligrams in a 70 kilogram adult translates down to uh, 1.5 or 1.25 uh, or 0 0.5 in a smaller child. We often can ramp them up to that dose and they'll do just fine with it. Now, one question around pediatric dosing, which is uh, the eternal question with all pediatric uh, interventions, is what if they don't you know, take tablets, capsules, et cetera? Well, you can have uh, the naltrexone made uh, in a liquid form, which is certainly easy to do. And what we tend to see is that, you know, our, you know, a little bit older uh, pediatric patients that are maybe used to taking pills, the pills are quite small and they can do that. Younger kids, though, maybe children who, um, especially pans pandas autism spectrum where they may uh you know have an oppositional component well in those young patients often what we will see is that uh, uh, a topical dose can work well so they don't even have to take anything orally and when I first started doing this, it was uh, more with the autism spectrum children and uh, pans pandas. So we would adjust the dose down to whatever their body weight dictated. And I, I would think, well, hmm, I wonder, you know, how well the transdermal absorption is. And so we talked to the pharmacy, pharmacy would make a transdermal and the parent would put, you know, the dose on the skin every day. And uh, we would see changes within one to two weeks uh, in autism spectrum, especially. Um, so younger children, you can, especially if they're not doing oral things well, et cetera, uh, and you can't maybe get a liquid suspension or something made, the, the transdermal actually will work well. You can work with your pharmacist on the best carrier. That's a that's a pharmacist question as far as what the best carrier is. But uh, I just wanted to point that out, that it actually surprised me that I didn't have to adjust the dose up for topical versus oral.
uh, in, in children. So that was another thing I think that was important. And I'm not sure how we're doing on time, but um, one of the more important things I think that I have adjusted my practice around is uh, in adults or children and the use of low-dose naltrexone uh, in the spectrum of oncology. And it's not so much that the um, doses have changed, really. We're still, like I say, you know, we target 4.5 milligrams in an adult. We do uh, the adjustments we said at the beginning, you know, of the recording saying, well, if they can only tolerate a half or one or two, then we'll level them out there and try to escalate later. So all of that being said, the next was uh, the, the data that was published that looked at uh, continuous low-dose naltrexone dosing in uh, cancer cell lines and then uh, uh, cyclic dosing of uh, low-dose naltrexone in cancer cell lines. And I know as I presented uh, this research, it was not my research, but I presented it uh, on, on behalf of the researchers at cancer conferences, and um, it people say, well, you know, it's it's an in vitro study, and it's true, yeah. And a lot of in vitro studies don't really translate, but when you look at the magnitude of the effect on the cancer cells by simply cycling the dose of naltrexone and having a break versus continuous dosing with naltrexone. The magnitude of change uh, in cancer cell death, et cetera, is so large that it is compelling enough to me that these, these past, uh, we're about six years in now knowing this data, I've shifted all of my oncology patients to a cyclic dose. Now, because it's it's based on uh, an in, in vitro, so a petri dish study uh, with cancer cell lines, um, you you can't extrapolate exactly what the cycle really means. But one thing I found with patients is keeping things as easy as possible is the best thing. So let's say they're on a four point five milligram dose and they have cancer. What we will do is we'll tell them you're going to take your naltrexone. Monday through Friday, and then you're just going to take a break on the weekend. So it's five days on and two days off. Now, you can also very easily make a case for four days on and three days off. As long as your patient can remember, that's fine too. But somewhere around there, having a break every week. In the oncology patient, we just explained that it, uh, it, it appears very strongly from the research that cyclic dosing is better than continuous dosing. And uh, we don't necessarily see that with uh, some of the other things like autoimmunity, et cetera. But that's getting us towards the very end uh, of our time. And the last thing I just want to add with regard to cancer is the other part of that research showed that LDN was very synergistic with uh, three very common chemotherapy agents. And that's another big question in oncology is will this agent harm the chemo or vice versa? LDN uh, is... Uh, in my experience, is always very synergistic. But we are out of time. I really appreciate your uh, listening. I appreciate you having me on the show. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company.
Until next time, stay safe and keep well.